Hey, salut, good day, welcome to Cold Turkey Podcast. This week, I'm actually sitting down with Lorianne. Lorianne has uh, opened her heart on, you know, like some of the bulimia issues and problems she had in her youth, and it has followed her in her adulthood as well. And uh, I had a lot of fun having a discussion with her. Um, it's my first it's my second recording since I've moved, and uh, to be quite honest, um, there was a, a it was a painful process for me to get back on it. Um, meaning that you know like there was uh, some uh, technical issues that I couldn't resolve, and it was all uh, my fault. So um, when we finally hit record, um, you know, I was just laughing at the situation. But uh, there it is, you know, like our conversation with Lorianne, and hope you enjoy. Bye. Hi, Lauriane. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you very much. How are you doing? <laughs> Not bad. It's so funny because, you know, like I, I was, we were just having a back and forth chat about, you know, like being rusty out of the language thing. Seems like I'm rusty right now out of the freaking podcasting thing. Um, I'm back from moving for people that are, uh, you know, like uh, avid listeners of the podcast. You've, you know, like I've told you that I've moved. I'm now in my new man cave. Um you know, like with, with the office and all, but, you know, like the fucking platform on which I record just decided to play, you know, like just, I don't know, I didn't seek with me. And, you know, like, so I had a hard time connecting to Lorianne with the sound. I thought the sound was, you know, on her side problem. It was actually me being a dumbass. And, and right now I start, I thought I was recording. I wasn't. And now it's okay. So we're running. Ha happy to have you on Lorianne. <laughs> people the first time listener is going to be what the fuck is that podcast but it's that's what the podcast is all about so it's a casual conversation with my guests um and i'm so happy to have you on um i i i thought i would stop asking that first question to my guests but because of the circumstances because of how long it's been going um i really have to ask you laurian how has been the pandemic for you? You know, like how has this, I don't know where, you know, like, uh, well, first tell me where you're located, but you know, like kind of the impact it has on your life, the impact it has on people around you. Um, can, can, can you tell me a bit about, you know, like what has been, and every single time I ask my guests, especially in the past three, four guests, I'm like, well, am I am I over with asking that question? But because of the feedback I'm getting from my guests, you know, like especially with, you know, like um, which I think like, you know, like while news are, you know, like eager to tell us about phase three and four, um, I have a bad feeling that um we're gonna see a five, six, seven, and eight out of how it has hurt the mental state of you know of the population. You know, like so so um yeah, I'm just going to open up by, you know, like, where are you located, you know, like, and how has been the pandemic for you? Okay, so I am in Milton, Ontario, Canada, and for most people who don't know that, we're just outside of Toronto, actually the fastest growing city in Canada, but most people still don't know where we are. Uh, originally, though, Alex Comtois, I am from Montreal, that's where I was born from, 
moved uh, 26 times so far. Uh, how has the pandemic affected me? I will have to say that uh, I'm very proud. We're going to be talking about my story. I'm very proud of the fact that I stayed on track on on not going back. Because sometimes when you go cold turkey on something, that's really difficult to get over, which is never really cold turkey. But you know what I mean? We'll talk about that later. I yeah. uh, didn't go back to that. However, my anxiety, which I had struggled with after I went cold turkey, and I went about seven years without, it came back. And I started having severe anxieties. I started getting, uh, I loved being in my house because I'm a recluse. So it was great. And, you know, being off work was great, but going out was bad. But however, being a recluse, things started escalating in my mind. So I ended up, uh, luckily in Ontario, uh, I'm very pleased to say, and probably I should have gone for therapy a long time ago because when I went cold turkey, I never went to therapy. Um, I got three months of therapy and it was really well worth it. However, it's something that I don't, I, I believe that I should have continued on because again, two months later, I started to feel that, that anxiety again. Hard to explain the anxiety. I know exactly better now after therapy what is causing it but prior to that there would be anxiety and I didn't even know what it was from yeah you know like and and really um it's out of these answers that you're giving me Lorianne and you know like different um you know like kind of perspective that people have given me that um I decided to keep asking the question because I have a I have you know I'm I have I'm pretty sure that, you know, like in a year and, you know, like in a year and a half, two years, three years, we're going to hear about kind of the backlash and, you know, like the, the postmortem of this, we're going to be actively helping people in it, probably the equivalent, it's going to be diagnosed as PTSD, right? You know, like as, as, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder of the pandemic, you know, like for me, um, you know, like it, it has been tough, but you know, like I have really a tight team with my wife, with my son, you know, like that, it, it really kept me busy mentally. Um, and it has helped even though, you know, like we had to, you know, like sometimes just sit and, and, and say, well, it's super difficult right now. You know, like we're, we're going through tough times. Um, and yeah, you know, like that's pretty much it. You know, like it's, it's the impression that, you know, like you need to work on, the, um, you know, like just the mental state and keep kind of on the edge and kind of on your toes of, you know, like, oh, something's coming, you know, like that there's, you know, like the, the, I feel bad and, you know, like I, I need to talk about this right, right there. Um, and I, I'm guessing, you know, like it's a similar thing that you've gone through. Yeah. And I guess it was that because I, I do live alone and I am very grateful for having, I've got, I know, two dogs and three cats <laughs> and, and I'm very grateful yeah. for my furries. Honest to goodness, they kept me sane, but there were things that I needed to discuss. But the thing is, I think that what COVID did too is bring back some of people's, I I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder with issues that I had not dealt with before. But when you are in this little cubby and you're not going out, your mind, you know, will go back to thinking about things that you otherwise wouldn't have while you're working every day. So while you're working, you're not thinking about it. You come home, you take care of your dogs, you walk them, you do your thing, you do your podcast, blah, 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 you go to bed. So your mind doesn't have time to generate all of these things that you hadn't dealt with previously. 
And I think that it's going to be causing a lot of the post-traumatic stress disorders, not necessarily the COVID, is that the COVID downtime has allowed too many people to realize the things they hadn't coped with previously, whether it be and it broke a lot of enough or anything, right? So yeah, yeah, and it it broke some of the reassuring cycles and routines that people had. You know, like it was comforting routines, you know, like the nine to five, and you know, like the coming back at five thirty five because of traffic, and you know, like getting lunch by six fifteen, and you know, like you know, it fucked this all up. You know, like it it was like. Are you having breakfast this morning? Well, I usually have my two toasts with peanut butter at 7.15, but, you know, I could, I don't have to be ready by 7.25 to go to work. You know, like, it's, like, I, I'm guessing that this was quite comforting for people. And, you know, like, it's, uh, yeah, you know, like, it's just, like, a crazy different situation. Um, and it made it, you know, like, super, super tough on people. Um, all in all, you know, like, there's, uh, there's, I'm, I don't know. Like they're, they're, I, I, I feel that uh, public health has not talked about this enough. You know, like that. You know, like that. You know, even though here in Quebec there was a lot of publicity and some some ads, um, some TV ads and commercials that you know like talked about this. You know, like there was a lot of feminicide. You know, like people. You know, like um, um, wives. You know, getting hurt and getting you know killed. Um, which for me was a direct you know like uh there was a direct relation with you know like the, the situation too much isolation you know like people couldn't reach out um even like the the treatment center for you know like for 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 violent you know like for for women going through violence um were trying to reach out you know like so you know and uh yeah it was tough time can i just speak to that too uh, we, I, I understand that, and I understand that women are are quite often the victims, but there are men that are victims too, and there are women. Absolutely. And, and I just want to balance this out that there are probably men sitting there going, "Well, you you don't know what it was like for me to be with my abusive, whether it's verbally, and some women are physically abusive." I know it's not yeah. the norm, but it happens. So I just want to bring, you know, awareness to that. Uh, because I've seen absolutely, them. and you know, like, I think that this stress was um, equal. You know, like everyone was, you know, like kind of a, you know, like I, I've spoke to people that were definitely in state of panic. Um, you know, like the anxiety level was definitely higher, um, and because we lacked so much communication, it was hard. We're used to face to face. Everything changed. You know, like I'm, I'm, you know, like. I, you know, out of my sobriety, um, I would attend, I would have attended meetings, you know, like, and, and so if I, if I had to talk to someone, you know, like I didn't have to, but if, you know, like I needed to vent, you know, like I could actually talk to, you know, like to some people there. Um, I used, to, you know, like I still have like a bunch of four friends that, you know, like we love, we love to hang out together, which we were going to say all kinds of crazy shit, but you know, like if we need to vent, this is going to go, you know, like this is going to be the place to go to do it. Um, which is, which was not happening anymore. You know, like, so, so as much as my wife loves me, as much as I love my wife, you know, like there's some stuff that you, you know, like you can only discuss with good friends that, you know, like, or, or, or mentors or sponsors or whoever, you know, like guiding figure you got around you. Um, that's without counting some of the life obstacles that, you know, life throws 
kind of in the way while this shit is going on, you know, like, it, you know, like, so, so my, my mom passed, you know, like there was, there was a lot of stuff going on that, you know, like, it was like, holy shit. Okay. You know, like you, you can really measure the, you're like, wow, you know, like it's, it's, it, there's a lot of stuff going on on top of, you know, like the, the situation, you know, like, so yeah, I mean, like it, it was, um, it still is, but you know, like it's way better right now you know like i can see my friends you know like we've we've just scheduled like you know like the usual four musketeers uh you know like evening out you know like just eating good food and you know just talk shit you know like it's just you know like it's just kind of that evening that you come out of you know it's like wow you know like that's you know like it's just together it is it is really like really like stuff that you cannot repeat anywhere else and you know like just like that that crazy night of you know like we used to play poker we're now playing like like board games like you know, like we're probably going to be on backgammon in, in a few years. You know, like it's uh, yeah, <laughs> we're well, growing it, old. <laughs> it's like your, your wife is. You're probably sitting there going, "I just want to hang out with my bros," and she's probably saying, "I just want to hang out with my." I guess they call them the bros. I don't know. Yeah. That's the new no, thing. but my my. But it's the but same thing the same. with girlfriends, guys. I live alone yeah. though, so my situation is a little bit different. I've been single for 14 years. So I don't have that, but I can't imagine. I mean, if, you know, I was stuck, I can get, I get that, um, you know, cause business, it was one thing too. Um, I mean, I've been divorced and then I had a boyfriend and it was kind of fun because with my boyfriend, I worked with him. And the thing is, is with COVID, everything was closed down. So even if you worked with them, because again, working with somebody and you're excited because you're doing things, you're doing the marketing, you're doing the accounting, you're doing that. He's doing his thing. He's doing his auto body, blah, blah, blah. And then you get together at the end of the night. But at this point now you're stuck. There's no business. Yep. You're looking at yourself. Absolutely. Going, I don't want <clears throat> There's to nothing. face. <laughs> yep. Except for, you know, like my five-year-old with that jumps around everywhere, you know, like just like dad, 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 dad. You're like, fuck i'm losing it you know like I, <laughs> I'm, I'm you know like i know you can't find your toy but i'm just losing my fucking mind right now you're like so so <laughs> let me find my mind back and you're like you know like we're gonna go and focus on the toy you're like it's just like this you know like it's it Alex. became i remember we have like that shower routine like the whole family goes in the shower right after dinner and you're like we were just like chatting my wife and i and at some point, I look at my wife like, I'm losing my fucking mind. You know, and my wife's like, I'm too. And I'm like, okay, so we can agree, like just like fist bump and just like, okay, we're a team now. Let's keep keep our sanity. We should be good. But it was really like, yeah. <laughs> okay, you're like, I'm, yeah. I'm just right, freaking yeah. losing it. You know, yeah. I'm losing it. Um, oh, wow. Well, I was Let's just get back to regular program. That. Sorry, I was just going to say quickly, Alex, when you were yeah. saying that, could you imagine, remember, I don't know, you're younger than me. I mean, I'm, I'm 58. So I remember when they used to have like the, the fear of the Russian wars and they had the bunkers. Could you imagine the World War III and families living in those bank bunkers? At least we got to go out and sniff the air. <laughs> Absolutely. And not only that, you know, like we had we had Internet. You know, like we had computers, we had, you know, like we had the social medias, yeah. which was, you know, like not necessarily always not a painful experience, you know, like the social medias and all. But at least, you know, like there was, you know, like someone, you know, or someone's 
that we could complain about. You, know? <laughs> you can meet you know, your friends on Zoom saying, okay, you know, the wife, the husband, they sleep, or, you know, my, my, my yeah. dog's asleep. I can, I can complain about my dog's driving me up. Okay, my dog's never did, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. Or, or, you know, or like just talk to your wife and the friends that you thought you had that kind of write that fucked up status on Facebook and you just turn around at dinner is like, who the fuck is that? You're like, what kind of nutsoes have we, we've been hanging out with for the past 10 years? You know? They're <laughs> finally showing their colors. Exactly. Oof. What? <laughs> What's going on with Michelle? What the <laughs> fuck? <You know? laughs> she's wearing the tin fat, the tin foil at, and you're like, she's like, Bill Gates is behind. What the fuck is wrong with Michelle? <laughs> Anyways, but uh, yeah, I mean, like, um, this was, you know, <laughs> this was like an eye-opening situation for some, and you know, like it was, it was weird because you're right, you know, like you you saw um, the true nature of people that you know, like panic, you know, like rose like way faster than others. Um, my wife is way more source, more social than I am. You know, like she she loves the, you know, like the happy hour with her girlfriends and you know, like she loves that. Like she she's she 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 thrives on that. You know, like she 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 just loves that. You know, like so I'm not I'm not that type. You know, like I'm way more like like recluse. I love watching my little documentaries on Netflix. You know, like I, I love being here and that, you know, like that kind of man cave thing. Um but my whole apartment's a woman cave, by the way. It's awesome. There's no man here. <laughs> but but when I <laughs> when I started feeling the pain of missing social interactions, um, I could just imagine what my wife was going through. I was oh, like, whoa, yeah. wow, you know, like that you must and she she was in pain, like just like I miss my friends. I miss like taking the time to, you know, like put the makeup and looking nice because I'm, I'm hanging out, you know, like I'm going to hang out and I totally got that, you know, like to, with the yoga pants and shit, you know, like she was like, I'm, I'm fed up. I'm wearing like, what is that? You know, like, anyways, anyways like this. let's do what I did. I don't <laughs> wear makeup. And I was making a joke about somebody saying you should wear makeup and, you know, put hair extensions, make yourself look prettier. Cause a guy's going to, you know, you know, catch his eye on you. Not that I'm looking for one. So the other night I did, I put my, I have this really cool hair extension thing. But I never wear it, but it's fun for fun because I never had long hair. And I put makeup on. I took a picture. I go, there you go. And I said, this is me, the way you want me to look. And this is me, the way I'm comfortable. So which one do you <laughs> want me to be? <laughs> However, I do, I, I, I am amazed and I get it. I mean, when I was younger, I, I loved, you know, not so much. I'm not a makeup person, but dressing up definitely I mean, yeah. just going out, hanging out with my friends, going to the bar and socializing. I'm not so much like that anymore. But one thing I will, I do want to bring up because you're talking about the COVID. There was one thing, my parents are in their 80s and it really did affect them because my mother is very social. She had her bridge club and, you know, all of a sudden that just closes off. And she said to me, she goes, you know, Lorianne, je suis toujours fatiguée. I'm always tired. And okay, yeah. she doesn't always speak French. She only does that in front of my dad. So he doesn't have to understand what she's saying. I'm kidding, but she does do that sometimes. <laughs> but they're tired. And she goes, we feel like we're sleeping more. Now, granted, you can say, well, you know, it's been two years. They're in their 80s. They're getting older. No, 
my dad is a go, go, go. My mom is a go, go, go. But just being confined really made them. She goes, I just want to sleep. I can't see my friends. I can't play bridge. She loves decorating her house. And although she goes, I'm slower, but you know, my mom, she's still a great cook. She's Italian French. I mean, you can't stop a woman like that. Um, It really affected them. And, and that was, I think, to me, the hardest thing, because they are a lot more social than I am. Um, yeah. And I watched them do that. And I'm thinking, OK, you know, um, my sisters, they could deal with it a little bit better. But, yeah, my parents, their whole life, they, they, they always had, you know, like I said, people over and, and mom loved cooking and yeah, tired. And I heard that not even that older generation, but I know that my generation and your generation, because I think you're younger than me by quite a bit. Not that much, but yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's do it this way. My parents are 86. I'm 58. You are? 46. 46. Oh. Okay. So you're, you're, I thought you were in your 30s. So, but there would be the 30s. But Thank all you. I'm flattered by that, Lorianne. Let's keep that clip. Okay. So the 30s, the 50s, what I do is I do a 20-year kind of thing, 20 to 30 years. But the 20, you know, the 30s, the the 50s, the 80s were all, I could hear so many people. And I think all generations, but I heard them, I always look like two generations down. They were all saying how tired they were. Like how they just mm-hmm. wanted to sleep, put on the pajamas, let's watch Netflix. What are we going to do today? You know, and the people, some of them got to keep their jobs, but literally we were cut off. Everyone was cut off for their jobs for at least two months. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I was talking to somebody in the States and they said, well, at least if they're going to cut everybody out of their job, they should actually pay them. I do have to say, thank God for being in Canada for that because yeah, we did absolutely. get compensated for that. We got treated, you know, like we, we, I mean, close in the business, but we're going to, we're going to make sure we're going to help you to be able to pay for what. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and for me, you know, like that's, that's a good thing. Um, At the same time, like, you know, like to, to just um, follow on and what you just said about age range. I don't think it has, it had any, um, you know, like every age range was impacted somewhat differently at some times, but somewhat quite the same. Um, and yeah, I know like, I mean, I mean, my, my father missed his grandson, you know, like, like hell. Um, I miss my dad, you know, like, especially with, you know, like that COVID shit, you know, like, so my mom passed something like, you know, like March, I don't know, like, <laughs> right in the middle of that you know like so you can imagine you're know, like you, you you reach out to the you know like salon funeral like the the and you know like they were like okay but well, it's it's going to be well 10 people plot top you know like and then and ugh, okay there's 15 people maybe and then like sorry the, 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 even go to the funeral you couldn't yeah it was it was all shit you know like it was just like okay wear a mask not a mask you know like it was 15 people 20 people then 10 people then 15 and you know it was it was just like okay are we are we gonna you know like delay this you know like and i had a bad feeling that if we delayed it would have been like a year later i was like no we can't you know like we we really can't do that we want to expedite things so it was like i think it was something like 15 people but you know like the funeral place was just like we're just gonna close our eyes on this you know like we don't want to 
go crazy, you know, like, but at the same time, like, you know, like my father is 71. So his el- older brothers were like 80. So, you know, like one of, you know, like, like the, the oldest of the sons of, of my dad's brother was, is something like that, like 80, 81. And, you know, he comes to the funeral. We kind of don't know how much the pandemic is going to be deadly. And, you know, like, it was like, what the fuck are you doing here? Or like, stay home. You know, like, we're okay. You know, like you could have just called or, and, you know, like, so it was, I mean, everyone was hurting, you know, like everyone was just like, you know, like, how are we going to deal with that? You know, can I tell you a really cool story? My mother, her mother passed away when she was 21, but her mother's mother was taken away from the family. And it's a long story, so I'm not going to go there. But my mother lived her whole life looking for her grandmother to make sure that she could make right by her mother. And in March of 2019, we found her grandmother and my mother found out that she had an aunt and she has cousins in the States. Wow. And that was, you can put this as an ad to maybe make some money. (laughs) The two, three and me, (laughs) I got my mother to do the test. I took it. I got my dad to do it and I did it. And somehow I got in touch with one guy, then he found out and he thought it was the Campbell side, but it was actually the, the, the Surratt side. Um, actually my grandmother is another one, but anyway, so my mother's aunt was still alive. She was 93 years old, March. My mother couldn't go to see her in California and she passed away from COVID. This is a true story. My mother went to 85 years old looking I guess she would have been 84 years old looking for her grandmother, found her mother's half sister and couldn't see her because of COVID. And she passed away a month after my parent, my mother found her cousins and her aunt and of That's COVID. crazy. Like just think though, had COVID not happened, my mother would have been on that plane. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Okay, let's get back to regular program. Um, <laughs> every single episode, I kind of do the same thing, which is like rewinding that tape back, you know, like to the early, um, to, to your early life. Um, and, you know, like you, 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 I'm going to get on board wherever you take me, but I want I want first for you to draw me a bit of a family picture, you know, like of what, you know, like what, what uh, old are you? you know, like siblings, parents situation, you know, like kind of where are we? And you're know, like, we go from there. You know, like I, I, I want to ramp up to wherever you want to bring me. Um, but starting from, you know, like, like sometimes, you know, like when I talk to people that had dealt with alcohol, it's their, their first, you know, like beverage that they took, you know, like, or it's their first negative experience with whatever. And, you know, like just, I just want to see, in my mind, you know, like what, what you know, like what are we talking about? You know, like you know, like kind of the entourage and you know, like the the environment. So I'm rewinding to where it all started. Yep. Okay, no problem. All right. So really quickly, I was uh, like I said, I was born in Montreal, Quebec. At seven, I was moved to Turkey on the Istanbul, Turkey. Um, at eleven, I was back to London, Ontario. At sixteen, I was moved to back to Montreal, um, uh, Point Claire. And that last move was where it all started. Um, 
I had spent five years in a place where I had built my friendships after moving as a child. And then I was felt like I was taken away. I have a beautiful father and mother. Um, and I have three sisters. Uh, my baby sister ended up coming to Montreal with me. Uh, the two older sisters went to university at that time. So that was a breakup of the family as well. But prior to us moving to Montreal, just prior to that, this is where it really started of this. Okay, so you know that my story is about the fact that I became bulimic, and this is where it all started. Um, my oldest sister was getting married. We kind of rushed the wedding because we were moving to Montreal. So it was like, you know, December, and she looked at me, and she says, uh, you know, I was one of her bridesmaids. And she goes, you're overweight. I was 130 pounds at 5'7", a cheerleader, muscle, nothing, never thought about my weight for anything. I could go to McDonald's and have a hamburger and french fries without thinking twice about it. And then all of a sudden she starts saying, you, you should lose weight. And she put me on a strict uh, diet of fluids for three days to try and get me to lose weight. That changed my whole mindset. After that, whenever I looked in the mirror, all I could see was a different person. How old were you when that happened? I was 16 years old. So you're 16 years old. Yeah. And before that, what what kind of kid were you? You know, like um, outgoing, you know, like extrovert, you know, like the the I I was. I was kind of like the two. Like I I'm kind of an introvert extrovert. And I do remember when I was in Turkey, but I like I was always taller than all the other kids and they weighed us and one little girl that's about, you know, four inches shorter than me said, Oh, you weigh a lot. You're fat. Um, that kind of stuck in the back of probably in the back of my mind, although I wasn't maybe the first seeds, you know, like kind of the first seeds of, first you know, like seeds, the, the yeah. so I would have been probably about eight years old at the time, eight, eight around there, eight, nine. Um, And, and I look at pictures and I always felt myself like an Amazon because I was so much taller than everybody else. It was like, you're a big girl. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, if you do remember that, that yeah. means that, you know, like it has made an imprint in, in your brain big time. You know, like, and, and especially, you know, like the, I think the, you know, like the, the girls, um, social or, or, well, <laughs> especially physical expectations, you know, like I've come to, you know, like some of the models that, you know, like they're, they're influenced by, it surely is, you know, like has something to do a bit with it, you know, like the, where, you know, if he, Back I probably would have smacked. Because I was in Turkey and there wasn't a lot of anything that was like that, right? You didn't see the models. We weren't in North America at, at that time. And in in that country, there wasn't that. I think, yes, when I got back, because as a cheerleader, because I was such a tall person, I used to be kind of the male. Like, I lifted up the little girls, and I did the pyramids. I was the one holding yeah. them up. <laughs> But I didn't mind that. I yeah. didn't think of myself. I just thought of myself as a very strong, tall girl that got on yeah. the cheerleading squad. <laughs> and I loved cheerleading, and I did it every season. I wasn't just a football player, popular girl. I did it for basketball, for hockey, for everything, because I loved it. Um, and we competed. So to me, and I was part of the competition because without me, there was not that other. And, and I had another girlfriend who was as, as tall as I was. And yeah, we were the pyramids. We lifted the young girls. We were the little ones, you know, it was. Yeah. 
it worked for me. It didn't and, bother and me. I dated you say your sister put you on that in high school, so that wasn't a problem. I mean, just because I was tall and I was the one that held up the little girls in church, yeah. I still got to go if the guys wanted to. Like, um, and I'm not saying that no doubt. No way. Doubt. I'm saying that it wasn't like I, I wasn't perceived as like the weirdo. Like, I mean, I still got to date guys. They didn't sit there and go, "Oh my God, you're the tall girl that's doing that." No, 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 none of that. In fact, they thought that it was pretty cool because I was so strong to lift up like, you know, 130 pounds on my neck. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I was well, good. When, when, when that liquid diet happens, what's your, you know, like what, what kind of is the first thought that goes through your mind? You know, like you just like, what, what the hell's going, you know, like, is it like a bit of a brain, you know, like, kind of a brain fart where you're like, what are you talking about? And you're like, or, or. Yeah. Yeah. It is at first. Do you so, have. No, I didn't think I was fat. I didn't think I was overweight. So then they put me on this, she put me on this diet and then I lost like a couple of pounds. But here's where the thing is, is that then my mental mind state was then after that liquid diet, because you're, you're restricting yourself, then you eat more. And then what happened after that, I kept trying to diet because I kept feeling that I was failing, right? I wasn't reaching that number that she told me I should be at. And I'm not good at failing. <laughs> so yeah. I kept trying to diet. And instead, we moved to Montreal. I got a job at McDonald's. Guess what happened? I went from 130 to 165 pounds trying to diet. I'd have a, I'd have a Big Mac and a and a and a and 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 a and a diet coke and 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 you know what like a muffin with like you know the saccharin and I'm thinking what and yeah. and then you start to become aware of all of the magazines that they talk about diets and like I would not have been looking at that if I had not been exposed to it and then I started being exposed to it and then it became like it's kind of like what they say you know when you want a red car like let's say a red jeep you go, yeah, I haven't seen red Jeeps anywhere. You get the red Jeep, all of a sudden you're driving around and you see red Jeeps everywhere. Same thing with a diet. Like once you get on a diet, the diets are everywhere. And then the skinny women in magazines. And then it just becomes overwhelming. And then you gain weight. Yeah, and you become aware of every macros. Oh. Yeah. And then you become aware of every macros, the proteins, the calories, you know, like that, you know, like everything, right? Like, it's just like, oh, sodium. Oh, fuck. You know, like there's too much sodium in there. And then, you know, like there, there's, there's, how fat is that? You know, like, and, and can you, you know, like for both the listeners and I'd be bluntly honest, you know, for me as well, you know, like we hear about uh, bulimia and anorexia. Can you, can you, can you tell us a bit of, you know, like kind of the difference in process? Oh, totally. Uh, Please. So you know, we're going to get to that, but I, I, I help people, but my biggest thing is helping bulimics because I couldn't really understand the anorexia side of it. I did have a friend who had it. Anorexes, they basically starved themselves. Um, some of them are, they call, let me try and figure this one out. Bulimorexics, uh, where they're bulimic and anorexic. So what they'll do is they'll eat very little, but then they'll either purge it or they'll take, um, or they'll take laxatives just to clear it out and they get really bone skinny, really, really, really. And that is, um, bulimia is not healthy and it is dangerous, but the highest death rate is anorexia. 
uh, eating disorders are the highest um, mental health deaths of anything, eating disorders. And I have something to tell you too, Alex, because my mother just sent it to me today. My mother was not very, you know, she didn't want to know about it because, you know, old school, you know, no, my daughter's not going through it. So a bulimic will lose weight. And in general, they will not lose weight to the point where anybody will even know that they're, that they're, that they're bulimic or they have an eating disorder because their weight is usually maintained within a reasonable amount. An anorexic will literally walk. And my friend looked like a walking skeleton. You like, they get really quite often very skinny. So, um, and both suffer from body dysmorphia, right? Lorian. Definitely. Both suffer. Yeah. Both do have it. Both do have it. But the anorexics are generally more extreme with their dysmorphia than the bulimics are. So, like, I okay. could be at 125 and I'm fine. Whereas if I was anorexic, I would want to be beh- below 100, if you see that. So, I knew that I was looking yeah. okay. I wasn't, my bones weren't sticking out and my legs were decent and I worked out and I had. I know it's awful, but you know, it just gets that way that once I had my bulimia, I, but I didn't, I didn't get super skinny or anything, whereas anorexics usually do. So the dysmorphia definitely is worse in the anorexics and it's very difficult that the anorexics, um, the, I, I don't want to give anything out to anybody to say be one or the other, because both of them are horrible, but, um, but it is, uh, definitely more dangerous to be anorexic because the level that they lose of the nutrients. Bulimics at least maintains some nutrients. However, here's what happens with bulimics. They end up with acidic with their teeth. They can end up with um, esophagitis, which I have, um, and their heart rate. They can they're pur- there's purging the involved. There's purging involved, right, Rilrian? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Or laxatives, but most of them are purging. Yeah. And in extreme, like you'll eat three or four times a day, big meals quite often. Some of them are just only a couple, but often it'll be two, three, four, five times a day. And whatever they eat, they will purge it. Yeah. So that's the difference. So starving versus purging. And that's the, the not, it, there's so many different levels of it, but that's. Oh, for sure. Variation. Yeah. This is almost like a spectrum of eating disorder, right? You know, like you, 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 yeah, like they have you, the age you don't age necessarily because you can, you know, anything you have. As, as, as I'm guessing that, you know, like there are bulimics that have, you know, a trap, you know, tra- cross to anorexia or, or vice versa, right? You know, like you, you probably see, as you mentioned, you know, like there's anorexia. Uh, bully- yeah. I, I probably, Exactly. Did you <laughs> Probably ever can't hear repeat Karen that one. Carpenter? Uh, Did you ever hear the singer Karen Carpenter? You can look it up. No. One that really brought eating disorders to the forefront in 1983 when she died at 32. She was coming out of bulimorexia, so she was a kind of that's a mix of anorexia bulimia, and um, she was coming out of it. But because of all of the stuff that she put her her body through, she ended up passing away of a heart attack at 32 and then the whole media blew up and then all of a sudden that's when people started understanding that there were eating disorders but Jane Fonda had bulimia for 30 years as well 
I can list the whole How, bunch of you know, like, people who did. Yeah. Oh, I'm, no doubt. I mean, no yeah. doubt. Lorian, can can you can you kind of break? Because you know, like there's there's a difference between you know, like kind of almost like fat shaming yourself, Lorian. You know, like you you must you know, like there, there must be like it must start by kind of that. You know, like where you you look in the mirror and like you you what the fuck's wrong with you? You know, like you're growing fat, blah, 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 blah. You know, like, is there, is there like self shaming involved in, in that process? Am I, am I wrong here? No, you're not wrong. But, um, often too is also comments from other people. So you have to understand oh, well, that in- you're, you know, you're gaining weight. You're already, so you're doing a stupid diet and the diet goes wrong and you're gaining weight. And then people start to tell you that you're gaining weight. And then now you're looking for, a easy fix really it's horrible to say but just almost like a drug and it was with me it was a friend of mine I said how did you lose all that weight she goes you can have your cake and eat it too if you want to all you have to do is throw it up after you eat it and I never heard of anything like that by that time I was 17 oh 17 and so that's kind of what like like school dorm conversation or something similar to that or corridor or school corridor conversation i I didn't do school dorm but college yeah college kind of like well i i'm in quebec right so i'm doing c-shop at the time yep yeah yeah exactly yeah and so someone just drops yeah you just need to throw it back and you should be good yeah, you can eat whatever you want. You can have ice cream and do this, and all you have to do is throw it up. And at the beginning, when you start, and it's like it was horrible because I shouldn't have even tried to start it. My mother found out. She yelled at me. So I pretended I didn't have it, but then I did. But the thing is, and I told my friends, they kind of tried, then they couldn't, then they were pissed at me for continuing to do it. This is a really quick blah, 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 blah. Then I decided to lie and I wouldn't tell anybody that I was doing it. But the thing is, is at first it's fine, right? You lose. So I went back to my 130. I went back to the normal weight that I was when I was like, you know, two years before. I was happy with that. Um, I wasn't looking to get super skinny. I was happy being back to what I was. But it takes over. See, now, like you're talking about alcoholism, food is your alcoholism. So you get stressed, you get fearful, you get anxiety, you run to the fridge and you just eat it all up and then you throw up your feelings and and all that anxiety and everything because you're thinking, "Ah, now I just did that. But some people think, oh, I feel I'm throwing up because I feel I feel guilty for having eaten all that. But the point is, is you're eating something because there's a problem yeah. and you're not dealing with the problem. Why did you go running to that fridge? Okay. So you, even when you started gaining the weight to begin with, there was a reason why you did it, why you ended up with bulimia. Yeah. There's a reason why you end up with bulimia where me, it was a switch in my mind that I was fine with myself. And then somebody told me I wasn't good enough. And I don't like that good enough, but I mean, it really is part of that. And then I, yeah. being perfectionist, started thinking, oh, I'm, I, I mean, I didn't want to be perfect, but I'm thinking, oh, my feeling, I'm fat. I'm 10 pounds over. Could you imagine you're 5'9 and they're putting the, the list saying that you should be 120 pounds of 5'9? Give me a break. Yeah. Like, and, and how does it, you know, like, um, well, you, you, you learn, um, quite soon that, you know, like it's, it's, um, 
there's a stigma, right? You know, like you just described that, you know, like you had to hide yourself from, from, you know, like, or, or, or even disclosing to friends that you were purging. So I'm guessing that it, it quickly becomes kind of a secret, secret between you and you. And, you know, like you, you don't, you don't share any of that. And because it is such a, um, you know, like, like, um, it's like you described, like it's not like anorexia where people just like, oh, you know, like something's wrong, like really, yeah, really fast wow. or, or at least you, know, like the, yeah. you can see the impact of it. Uh, you know, like how does it grow on you? How, how long does it last? You know, like what's the, what's the, you know, like kind of what's your, you know, like you, 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 you finish the jet, you know, like what's, what's the, you know, like, yeah, I mean, like, what's 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 your life like at the time? You know, like, because you know, like, you can't really like just like throw up like on the spot. You know, like, you need to hide yourself. You need to, you know, like, because your your life must evolve all the time around that that yeah, the just lie. crazy L cycle around the lie, around the lie. Now, I did get married when I was twenty four. I did tell my ex husband. Yes, he's an ex now. Um, because I had a boyfriend and I told him after, I think, I think we were going out for about eight months and I told him and he broke up with me. He tried again, but anyway, it didn't work out. Uh, then I told my ex-husband when, before we got married, because I didn't want any lies. I wanted to be in an honest marriage. And I told him, I said, I am bulimic. So if you want to end this now, do it. But he married me. He says, that's fine. I knew that anyway. I, someone else told him, I guess, that knew about it, my sister. Um, and the thing is, is when that happened, then it almost was like, really? Uh, then there's there's all these different mental states. Like, I even asked him, I said, can, you know, can we go? I'm going, I'm going to go for therapy. Can you come with me? And he didn't want to. And I needed that. I need, I, I, so then there's a, there's a segment of your mind that starts to say, well, I'm not, I'm not lovable. Like he, you know, if he really loved me, he would come with me. And, and it just, your brain just keeps going in these downward spirals and one therapist i went to said um you know that this is a slow suicide and i looked at him and said what do you mean he goes bulimia probably saved your life right now and i'm not saying that it's going to save it forever but right now because it's a slow suicide you probably would have been dead a long time ago if you just kept it, these mind thoughts that you're having so it's something that you're not dealing with and you're just eating it and throwing it up just like alcohol the same thing you you know that you 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 numb it's a numbing effect right yeah because you don't want to go there how old uh, are you when that therapist tells that to you well <clears throat> i was kind of shocked i was kind of sad because he was the one that i wanted my ex-husband to come and meet with to talk yeah. about it because i thought you know how old are you at the time you know, like how old are you, Lorian? You know, like by you know, that so time I was um, I was in Reno. I had had my first child, and by the way, never bulimic. I have three children, never bulimic through my through my uh, pregnancies because I loved the feeling of being loved inside my belly, <laughs> and I didn't feel hungry to go and do any of that. It was so cool. Uh, wow. So I was twenty. I was probably about twenty seven when that one happened, and then I came back. So ten years in. So yeah. 10 years in, yeah. you have like a, 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 like 
you feel like you need help yeah. and you reach out to that to that individual which tells you that you're gradually killing yourself yeah and and that wasn't the first time the very first time was just before i got married um, I'm not going to go into that one. She was a beautiful counselor. She told me I shouldn't get married, but anyway, I don't want to do that because that's mean to my ex-husband. <laughs> and then I did get married and then I went to one counselor and she was like, oh my gosh, she was telling me I was going to die if I didn't go to the doctor and check out my liver and everything. And I went, ah! <laughs> and I bit. Sure. I went, going, yeah. Um, but this guy was good. Uh, but he didn't want to go. So I didn't continue with that one. And then I decided that that's it. It was a long, it was a long road. Um, I, I kept trying, I would go like after that. And, and when my children between my, my second child and my third child for two years, I wasn't bulimic. Then after my third child, the overwhelm of having three children, a full-time job, taking care of them, um, you know, yes, my ex-husband did help some, but he traveled a lot. So there was a lot on me. I did have a nanny at times, but I also still had the evenings with me and I, I had to do all that. It was like this overwhelming time. And that's why I said for women who are in their midlife, it's if you've already carried it from your teenage years and you haven't overcome it, that's a hard time to quit. It's doable, yeah. but it's hard. You do need help and you always need help, but you do need help. Um, divorced. Got my own business, lost my own business. I'm going to try and go fast forward here. Lost everything and went and lived with my sister. And I'm 48 years old, bulimic. And, and I'm telling you, during the period that I had my business and I'm losing my business, do you think that that held my bulimia? Oh, no. Um, no, for sure. Because it's like, like you said, it's like alcohol. So, you know, like you would, you would find comfort yeah. in just oh, filling up. And because there's the divorce, losing my job, going through the divorce, buying a business, losing a business. And then here I am at 48 yeah. years old. And I was living with my sister. She finally, she looked at me and she goes, Hey, she goes, she, her husband says, um, you know, he heard you in the bathroom. And I looked at her and she goes, why are you doing this? I love you. I don't want to lose you. In that particular moment, I thought, holy crap, I don't have my ex-husband to tell me what to do anymore. I have nobody to tell me what to do anymore. I have nothing but me. What are you going to do, Lorianne? The next day, I... Was it the same sister? I need to know. Was it the same sister? No, it was not. The same sister actually okay. was part of my divorce <laughs> because she had an affair with my husband. So that's another thing. But anyway... <laughs> oh, caused the fuck. okay <laughs> um yeah cut that one out okay? oh wow it's the truth that's another um, episode that's, that's another, another episode, episode. <laughs> um so yeah so i was angry at him i was angry and then and i mean it was just an awful thing and then and with the kids and you know who's going where what's going where yeah i was, sure. a, I was a total basket case i will totally agree to the fact that even alcohol came into it at some point so i was like both at some point i was just a total freaking mess so when I lived with my sister, she said that. And I looked at her and I went, you know, why am I doing this? Hmm. My kids are grown. They're out of the house. I don't have him. I don't have a business I have to sweat over because it's failing in, you know, the 2007 when I bought it. Stupid time to buy it. So this is in 2010. And I sat there and, and I and and I had nothing to do with my ex anymore. He was writing, signing me alimony checks. I told him I didn't want them anymore. 
I'm free. Just me. After my sister said that to me, I thought, why are you holding on to all the things that were triggering? Because there's triggers, right? I had no more triggers. I had no more excuses. Not to say that anybody who has triggers has excuses. They should literally, I recommend they go for therapy if they know what their triggers are. I thought, God, the next day I, I quit. Not to say it was easy. I still had to deal with my emotions and my anxieties because I didn't have the food to go to. But I thought, but you're more aware of the fact that all those triggers are gone. And you're the only one that's responsible now for how you react to them. You talked about some of the troth problem or the esophagus problems. Can you can you tell me about that? You know, like you know, like because I I heard a lot about you know like kind of the acid uh, when you purge. You know, like there, there's some acidic you know like extreme acidity that can mess up your teeth, mess up your 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 throat. Can you tell us about you know like kind of what has been the collateral damage of you know like all that time? Um. um. I will say um, one thing that was really, really, I was really aware of, and I just want to say this because this is like, I'll tell you the collateral, but the one thing that's really scary, the older that you get, the more likely that your heart's going to like, it, it. it's not easy on your heart. And I remember after a purge, my heart was, and I couldn't get to sleep. So that went away. I was thankful for that. But what I ended up with, my esophagitis, um, it, it's not as common as it was while I was bulimic, but it still happens now and again. You know, I can't eat onions. I can't, there's certain things I can't eat or else it'll bring it on. Um, that is like, I don't know, this is not, but it's like some, like a sharp thing going around across your back and you need to burp and you can't. And it, wow. it, can keep me up for up to like two hours to three hours with the pain constantly going through my back. It started when I was 33. Um, but literally it's not as, as, it's not as often anymore because I've been 11 years without doing bulimia, but it's still there. So it's still gonna, it's still there. It's not, I just watch what I eat better, right. To make sure it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, the other one, big, 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 big time. I can smile, right? Yeah. Talk about how much money that costs your teeth. That stomach acid ruins all the enamel on your teeth. So these are my teeth, but they're crowned. Why? Because that's what happens. And you have almost like no enamel left. Yeah. It just, it kills it. I mean, I'm lucky that my bottom teeth are still okay, but there's not a lot of enamel on there. And if you wanted to do any whitening, because you know how people like to whiten their teeth, the only way you can whiten them is if you have enamel on them. You can't do it if you don't. It's just gonna, it's just gonna make your teeth super sensitive and really hurt them if you do that. So you can't even do that. Yeah. Um so I think that that's a big one. And the other thing too is uh from chewing a lot, it will grind your like from eating so much, it'll it, it, I lost a couple of teeth. I'm not going to lie. Who cares? I mean, you know, take me or leave me as I am. I have a couple of teeth back here. Luckily they're back here that I lost. Um, 
but also I ground down literally this one here, my, my wisdom tooth, it, it's down to nothing from grinding. And somebody would say, well, does, and I asked my doctor, I said, does bulimia cause that? He goes, well, for one, the amount that you're eating in a sitting is more than like, I mean, that's a lot of chewing. And when you're angry, you tend to chew nuts and chips. And so that's then at night you'll continue to do that. And if you don't wear a mouth guard, you'll grind your teeth right down. It's amazing. Tell me about it. (laughs) <laughs> and it I, I have i'm i look like fucking robocop now when i go to sleep i have like the apnea mask and i have that grinding fucking thing i mean oh, i'm that can happen too sleep apnea can happen too but that's also a part of like if you're you know overtired low you know not enough nutrients and stuff like that sleep i have sleep apnea as well yeah i don't have it so yeah bad so i i look I look like a sci-fi movie. Yeah, uh, uh, I hate that so much. Um, Saves your life. I need to ask you, Lorian. Yeah. Yeah, my wife. My wife loves that mask because it keeps me from snoring, and she's like, "Put the mask back." You know, I'm like, "Oh, come on!" You know, and even you know, like on weekends, sometimes you know, like we. Alex, is it just that, or is it that sometimes she's just not in the mood? I mean, <laughs> you tell me there's a combination for sure, but you know, uh, and, and sometimes we, you know, like on weekends we go on naps, you know, because my son goes on nap, he's five years old and wow. my wife and I was like, I'm freaking tired. And I, I, we're going on a nap as well. And sometimes I was like, okay, fuck the mask. You know, like, it's just a nap. And she's like, no, you don't. You know, like you're putting the mask back. I want to sleep too. I'm like, Okay, you know, like, uh, and and but I hate that shit. It leaks hair, and you, you hear it whistling, like, oh fuck that! You know, like it's. <laughs> now, did you see who was it? Um, William Shatner does a a, a a commercial about the cleaning of those, which is really oh, yeah? my grandmother. She was a teacher at McGill, and she taught him drama. William Shatner. Just, wow. just a trivia. I think that's kind of funny. But he does the sleep apnea yeah. uh, cleaning thing. It goes, I never knew that you had to clean it every night. And I'm thinking, well, I wear a mouth guard. And I kind of know that I have to clean it every night. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I need I need to ask, Laurent, what is, you know, like um, you said that you were more than 10 years, uh, you know, like kind of out of that, that um, yeah. whirlwind of bulimia. Um, what would you say is kind of a healthy daily diet, both physically, spiritually, mentally? What is the, you know, like, what is, you know, like, I know there's no perfect recipe, but what is yours? You know, like, how do you keep, you know, like, um, how do you keep kind of a, a um, balanced life, you know, like 10 years in? You know, like, I, I can say that, you know, like, I, you know, like we talked about friendships and we talked about relations and we talked about, you know, like, you know, like if, if it wasn't for having a sponsor, for example, you know, like even 17 years in, you know, like I need to have those um, outputs in my life. You know, like I need to have those close friends and, and I need to have like a, a good work and life balance in my life. You know, like I need to have 
well, sleep is a different story, but you know, like I, you know, like I know that sleep can be, um, it can make me weaker in terms of not necessarily my sobriety, but just my, like my mental state. Um, what would you say more than 10 years in, you know, out of that, that cycle would be like healthy, like a healthy diet of, you know, like keeping your life balance. Okay. So I don't know that there's any life that can say that is totally healthy. I mean, my still is like a roller coaster up and down. I mean, I don't have a job anymore and I mean, I do have a business, but I also had a daytime job, I think, believe like you. So, you know, I ran my, my bulimia recovery coaching during the evenings, but I had a business coming in the day that's gone. Um, then I just got kicked out of my house because my, you know, my landlord is going to be moving in. So you got all these things where it is, is, is family literally in front. Um, Somebody said, how do you stay slim even after bulimia? I go, because I learned that when I eat, I stop when I'm full. And one thing that when you are bulimic, you lose that. But that's very important that the body tells you when you're full. I still eat pizza. I'll have a Big Mac. But sometimes if I eat the Big Mac halfway through, I'm full. It, it, it's feeling, I guess it's feeling, it's feeling when you're, if, when I was under, when I'm under stress, I call, I have a good friend that I can call. I guess like you, a sponsor, it's, it's my best friend. Um, and now my sister, I call her my sister. <laughs> uh, I'm very lucky to have people around. I think you really need to focus when you lose everything. There's one thing that you learn. You haven't lost everything. If you look at the people that are around you, I mean, I literally lost my business, my home, everything. Um, everything remember yeah. that, that thing and that opened my eyes to what was around me to everyone <laughs> thank you <laughs> yes and that really was one of the biggest things that do you want to know how exciting it is to sit at a table with my mother who loves to cook have a meal I could sit there and say, hey, mom, that's too much. I'm not finishing the whole thing, but could I take a home? She's happy as a little person ever. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just sitting there and, and enjoying your meal and not worrying about sitting there going, oh, my gosh, I have to do this within 20 minutes. I've got to find a toilet and somebody being watching. Oh, yeah, there she goes again. Don't have any of that. There's a, such a freedom of letting yeah. it go. And I love food. But what I realized is even if you love food, you don't have to get a big bowl and eat the whole darn thing and get a nice little bowl and enjoy it, eat it slowly. And it tastes a lot better because even when you go for your second bowl, it's never as good. Did you ever notice that? Absolutely. Right. So enjoy it. Enjoy the time. That to me, honest to goodness, Alex, that was like my biggest balance in life. I can't say a diet. I mean, I, I tend to, you know, I don't go and eat a hamburger all the time. I mean, I like my eggs and toast and I like my salads, but I also don't restrict myself of whatever I want. But I what know when you... to stop. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, like that's the, you know, like that's the best advice you can give anyone. It's to listen to yourself. You know, when you start listening, you know, like you realize that, you know, like we tend to say a lot, you know, <laughs> 
you know, like both, uh, you know, like, you know, like both physically, then mentally, you know, like we, we, you know, like if you listen, you tend to realize that, wow, you know, like my body and my mind talks a lot, you know, like there's a lot of shit going on, you know, like when, you know, like when I said that during the pandemic, you know, like I, I heard or felt that I was kind of losing my mind, you know, like it, it, it's by listening to myself, it's by, you know, like it's by kind of going third person and look at me and like, wow, you know, like that's, that's 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 not okay you know like I'm, I'm 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 not sleeping enough i'm eating like shit you know like i'm i'm not exercising i'm not you know i like, can and, and and it's it, it really is by listening and looking at me you know like almost like if it wasn't me you know like and and, and that's that's what i mean by listening to myself um what it's, would you say yeah go sorry ahead. i was gonna say it's really interesting too because a lot of people were using and and, and i i love it on my podcast i had some people and they were saying that there was one thing they couldn't stand the the COVID twenty, the COVID thirty. I, 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 I mean, I walk my dogs, but I really haven't. Like, I mean, I, I and I keep active just by doing things, but I don't go to a gym, and I have not gained any weight. And yet, I've also eaten a lot of like chicken strips and stuff that you could buy from the freezer because during COVID, you bought a bunch of cans and crap. So I haven't been eating the best, but I haven't gained weight. And somebody would, might say, well, why? Okay, I might have gained a little bit of fat, but not the weight. You know how they say that. You lose a little bit of muscle. <laughs> yep. Regardless of that, my weight is maintained. Why it is is because I my body told me when it was full. Yeah. That, that That's as simple as it gets. I can't even explain it any more than that. I would eat something... And I'm full. And then sometimes I would think I'm hungry. So I would drink some water. I'd have a little bite of a toast or something. I'm going, wow, I'm full again. And that, okay, that was a boredom hunger. Like you get really full really quickly. If your body's sitting there going, I think I'm hungry because you're full, because you're bored. Try having a little bowl of chips. You'll be full within two seconds because your body's really not hungry. It's just yeah. bored. <laughs> it is. And, and, and God knows how bored we were, you know, like our, our bored we got, you know, like, so you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah, so um, the, the, there's two last thing I want to ask you, you know, like the last, you know, like the, the, the one thing is, you know, like, what would you say to anyone listening to this that feels that their, their relation with food and with, you know, like the, the, their relationship with their own body image. Um, there's, there's, you know, like we're just talking about, you know, like listening, but you know, like they feel that, you know, like kind of that inner voice saying, mm, you know, like something's not okay. Um, either that, or even if I'm, if I'm a parent, if I'm, you know, like a sister, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, um, even the son of or the daughter of someone that I see, I'm like, mm, you know, like my, you know, like there's something in my in me that resonates that you know something's not right here. Um, what would you tell that person? Um, and you know, like I think it goes both ways. You know, like I, I don't think necessarily that people, you know, like even when I started that podcast, that I expected people that had issues with you know like the you know, like the alcohol or the drugs, you know, like that would be listening to the podcast because it's quite confronting. But at the same time, I knew that there were a lot of friends, parents, um, sons and daughters that, you know, would be listening to the podcast just for, 
you know, like to understand how fucked up we, we are as, you know, as, as addicts, you know, like, so, um, so yeah, you know, like, what would you say, Lorian, to these people? Okay. So first of all, um, yeah, it was difficult while I was bulimic. There really wasn't much that you could tell Though when I reached out, I was hoping like when I went to my ex-husband, it would have been really good for him to come, but there's a lot of people who don't reach out, uh, and don't confront them. And, I think the nicest thing that I can say is that if, if you, like my sister came to me and she goes, I love you. I hear that you're doing it. I, I heard you. So if you can, if you do catch them, but it's so, you gotta be careful because if you come at them and say, Hey, if you don't stop that, I'm going to kick you out of the house. Or if you don't stop that, I'm going to leave you. That's going to just escalate it. There's got to be a way of, you know, being kind and, and helping them to try and find a way to get help if you're if you're a family member. Um, I, I'm working and I have worked with people with eating disorders. It's really difficult because really, ultimately, you have to want to quit. I wanted to quit, but I don't want anybody else to go 30 years before they figure out what I figured out. I don't like looking at myself in the toilet anymore. This is ridiculous. I don't need to do this but there are some that they're not there yet. Um, it, it, it's a really, it's really difficult. I know my mother just sent me something. She's, she's very supportive now. She was really goofed when, when I had it. My mother was really goofed about it. Like she didn't know what to think, um, yeah. but she's very happy. I'm over it. But now she sent me things. She goes, apparently I don't know. Okay. So I don't have the answer to this, Alex, to tell you the truth, because everybody who's got an eating disorder is different. Um, I know that this one person I'm dealing with, she's having arguments with her mother. She sends me things. Her mother is not saying things right, but I don't know how to reach out to the mother and say, can you be kinder? But it comes to the point at some point, particularly in anorexia, if, if they're, if they're seriously, putting their life at risk. Um, with bulimia, try the kind way. Um, right now, the hospitals aren't taking anybody anyway, so the best way you can do it is be kind, be gentle, and if you know that they're bulimic, is say, hey, you know what? Here's 12 I know. weeks. Here's 12 weeks. I got you therapy for 12 weeks, or I found a coach for 12 weeks to help you out with this. Go talk to somebody. See if it works. And speaking of which, Lorianne, the last question I got for you is where can we find you? You know, like, you know, like you, you talked about, you know, like having, you know, like a practice around, you know, like helping people with, with eating disorder. Um, where can people find you? I can be found at uh, bulimiacoach at gmail.com. Um, you can also find, I have a podcast. I really do. If anybody is struggling because uh, I have really neat guests from funny to to clear. Uh, go to bleepbulimia.com. Um, all of the podcasts are there, or you can find me on my podcast, Bleep Bulimia. There's 37 episodes, um, of which I have 30 guests, and I really think that it's worthwhile for anybody who's struggling with eating disorders to go and listen to that because it, it takes the whole range of that. And like I said, Alex, I wish I had that magic wand to say, I mean, there's a 12 step program. It doesn't necessarily work with everybody. I anyway, know. Right. You got to find, I know. right. You gotta I know. I mean, head. like it, it wasn't, it wasn't until my father, um, cause I was sitting just 
sitting uncomfortably at the bottom of my own barrel. And my father happened to be there at that precise moment telling me, and you're like, I'm going to remember that sentence all my, my fucking life. My father said, don't you feel, no, don't you want to help yourself? Yeah. That's all he said. Yeah. And I started crying and I said, whatever, whatever can I do? What, what, what are you talking? You know, like, what are you offering? You know, like I was just like, just ripe for someone, you know, like just like reaching out yeah. and that was it. You know, like, so you know, like as, as you know, like I totally understand your position here. You know, like there's no magic wand. There's no, there's no magic moment. There's no, um, pretty much as with, um, alcohol disorder or, or, you know, like, or drug or, or you know, like, or, or addiction in general, I would say that, you know, like you need to be there ready and, and, you know, when they're ripe and when they feel that they need help, you need to be there for them. And I, you know, like I know that, you know, like in, in, in my personal life, my son is going to be actually, what, what date are we? We oh, are. we're the 19th. Okay. So my son, my son is going to be 24 on the 23rd, full blown drug addict, um, full blown alcohol and drug addiction. Um, he's my second episode. If you if you rewind back, my second episode is actually my son. I made I made I made, I, I was careful and you know not going like the daddy son thing because I you know we were hanging on that. I think he had three months or a bit less than that clean. And you know like I was, you know like I, I was hanging on that you know that clean time. And we we recorded that. You know like it was actually part of me launching that podcast. You know like he was my second well. Actually, my first recording, second guest, because I, you know, like I, I, the first episode is actually me just blabbling on that podcast, you know. So, um, but yeah, you know, like he, he has not spoken to me in a year. Um, but one thing is, the, you know, like my phone number hasn't changed. You know exactly what I can do for him. Uh, my email hasn't changed. Um, I'm ready when he is. And, you know, like the, the letting go is probably my biggest challenge, you know, because, you know, like you, you, you want to, you know, even either call the police on them or just like tell him how much you fucking love them or, you know, like, and, but he knows that, you know, like he, he knows that, you know, like I, I love him. He knows that, you know, like I'm, but right now he, he, he's going to, you know, if you'd ask him probably either drunk or stone, he'd probably say, you know, like, fuck that motherfucker. You know, like, he's not giving me any money. The guy, whatever his, his motivation is right now, you know, like I'm, I'm either the rich guy that just move in a bigger house and, you know, like he's going to find all kinds of excuses to hate me. But, you know, like right, right in the bottom of his heart, he knows, you know, like he, he knows that, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm here for you if he needs, but, you know, like he's not ripe yet. You know, like he's not ready for it. Yeah. Um, and so I know exactly what you mean, Lorianne. You know, like it's there's <laughs> there's However, no secret. However, if you found your son was doing a level of drugs that was being very harmful to him, I bet you would take that next step. I can't, Lorianne. Yeah, because I'm telling we're, you, I'm, 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 I'm already. I'm not kidding, Lorianne. I'm already. When it when he stopped. Uh, that was two years ago when he stopped for three months. He what he got sober enough to share with me at what level he was at. 
And I already got nervous. I was like, oh, shit, you're hurting yourself. You know, like we're, we were talking about hardcore stuff, you know, like, and I was like, ooh, okay. And so when, when I had my suspicion, you know, I was calling him on a daily basis, making sure that, you know, like he would put some kind of routine in his life and whatever. And when I felt them slipping, I remember the last time we spoke, I said, I don't have a good feeling about, you know, like the way you're picking up the phone, the way you answer me, you know, like there's, you know, like I, it's me calling you rather than you calling me like you did for the past two months. That's really weird. And I got back home and I looked at my wife. I'm like, eh, I have a really bad feeling about uh, my son. You know, like it's, I have a bad feeling. And then next thing you know, you know, like he's not calling me on a daily basis. I don't have any news. Call him back. It becomes flaky. I realized that, you know, like you may, Oh, well, you know, like that meeting thing is such bullshit. And, you know, like, and I knew it, I, I saw it coming, but, you know, like I, you know, like to be, to, to answer your question, Lorianne, I already know that amongst that, you know, like that amongst the options of, of, of kind of the end game, um, earning himself bad to, to, you know, like to a fatal point could be an option. And I have to kind of let go, you know, like there's, there's, I can't, I can't do something that he's not willing to do for himself. You know, like I, you know, like I can't, you know, like I can like put him in my locker and just lock the door and, you know, like it's, well, I so, you know, I can, I, I was saying it like, I get that too. Um, that's a hard one. It but is. I was just thinking for parents though, um, with, uh, teenagers or, or young adults uh, living in story. home, and uh, it's harder to figure out bulimia. But if they are, they are like starving themselves and losing a lot of weight. Um, it's hard if you're a parent of a, of an adult child living in your house because you don't have the right to put them into a yep. hospital. But if they if are they're minors, yeah, if they're minors, yeah. get them in there. Get them Absolutely. in. And make Intervene. treatments right, though, because I had a friend and she got put into the hospital. She was anorexic and she came out at 170 pounds. You know what happened? She became bulimic. Mm-hmm. Like, don't put the Band-Aid on. Make sure that there's proper therapy and, and don't just make sure that they gain weight because that they're going to come out with the same issue. Yeah, right? I know. Right. Lorianne, Lovely. thanks. It was an awesome time I spent with you. I loved it. Um, <laughs> exactement. On, on va faire un petit bois français. Merci beaucoup, oh. Lorianne. Thanks a lot. It was it was a great time. I, I you know like in, in the hundred fifty something episodes that I've that I've done. Um, this is eating disorder. Something that I really had. You know, like first having a hard time finding guests that were willing to share about this. For many reasons, you know, like I don't think people share enough about eating disorder. Um, but another thing is that, you know, like for, for, I would almost go to the extent to say for us addicts, um, <laughs> I'm going to describe it as I feel it. You know, like it's easier for me to stop doing alcohol completely as it is for drugs completely. I cannot go and not eat. When my relation, you know, like when my relationship with food is toxic, you know, like my relationship with money is toxic and I need to be careful. My relationship with drugs and alcohol was toxic and I, I had like a simple solution. I stopped having that relation with drugs and alcohol, 
with food it's a different freaking story you know like you you can't stop having food in your life so you need you're you're forced to develop a sane relation with food um for that because i tend to like to say because a lot of my uh my clients and the people I work with, they go, well, if, if this is an addiction, then I'm doomed for life. And I said, no, here it is. I try and change it from an addiction. It's a dis-ease. Your relationship with your food is a dis-ease. If you can get eased with your food, it's no longer going to be an addiction. For me, it's not an addiction. I don't have to pile 20 billion chips and cakes and stuff in my, in my, in my fridge anymore. Um, I can be in front of it. I can be there. Now, I think it's harder for an alcoholic to have wine or beer or whatever there if they're trying to get over it, whereas you can you can do that. So it's I try and tell them, I said, don't think of it as an addiction. I get that what you're saying. While they're bulimics, it is an addiction. I want them to move beyond that to say, I'm comfortable with this. Yeah. So just wanted and to so well, thanks for the clarification. It, it, you know, like if it helps me, you know, like understanding that, you know, like, so, so thank you. Um, last thing I'm going to tell the listeners, uh, every links, every, every ways we can, we, you can get in contact with, with Lorianne are going to be, uh, you know, like just placed in the description of the episode. So, you know, like don't, if you, if you wanted to pause earlier, because she mentioned, you know, like everything's down there. So just scroll on your phone and your laptop or wherever everything's down there. Um, Thanks again for your time, Lorianne. Really appreciate it. You told me that you wanted me to be a guest on your podcast. It's going to be a pleasure for me to be to do that. You know, like I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna have a blast as I did tonight. So, um, thanks a lot, and it, you know, like I wish you the best. It was, uh, it was a great time spending with you. Thank you. I agree. Thank you so much, Alex. Really appreciate your time. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>